Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, joining me is CBS's Will Brinson to break down the over-unders for the upcoming NFL season. We're each going to pick five NFL over-unders for teams from the William Hill Sportsbook. But before we do that, wanted to tell you about another podcast. Three times a week, The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast brings you the latest from technology, music, and the very best analysis of the games. Plus, there's a community of friends, including Dominique Foxworth for Foxworth Fridays. That's The Right Time with Bomani Jones, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and Wednesday and Friday's podcasts are also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Now, here's Will Brinson picking over-unders for the 2022 season. All right, joining me now here on the Bill Barnwell Show, I had to have him back by security blanket. He, he's like the, I'm the bad quarterback, and he is the tight end who's going to catch a pass for seven yards on third and 14 for me. Uh, the man who has joined me today in picking... Five NFL over-unders for the 2022 season. It is my friend from CBS, Will Brinson. Will, what's up? Bill, I'm happy to be your Ricky Seals Jones Jr. <laughs> Jones. Um, I, was on a, I was on a radio show, and um, or no, I can't remember if we were even on air, but Nick Costas, who's a Giants fan, and I were arguing. He was like, you know, the Giants' weapons are pretty good. He threw out Ricky Seals Jones. Oh, like, boy. Stop it. That's better, not, better than being your Evan Ingram, right? I mean, Evan Ingram at least had the promise of being good for, you know, a more significant period of time. He just was not able, ever able to actually pull that off. You're, uh, that was the, uh, Kelsey Mahomes. That works, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I would see myself it. doing a, rea- a dating reality show where I, <laughs> no, I can't actually. I can't. I, I cannot not. see it. <laughs> Bottom, bottom, bottom 10% of human beings who should ever be on a dating reality show. I, I don't know if that's, I would say top 10% of sports writers. If I was going to say, <laughs> if I was going to say who's going to be hosting a dating show. I mean, I guess, uh, who is it from PFF? Who was on The Bachelor? Oh, Mike, oh, wasn't it Mike Renner was on there? Yes, Mike Renner was on there. So Mike Renner is probably number one, if we have to be honest, because he was actually on a, a, a dating show. But, well, Brinson, absolutely high up there in my book at least um well today we are going to go through the odds from william hill sportsbook and we're going to pick five nfl over-unders for the 2022 season for team win total so um for the uninitiated i will give you an example here um let's pick the hmm, trying to pick a team who i don't think either of us are going to mention hmm. i would say that neither of us would mention Oh, actually, no, that seems a good one. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's say the Bills. Did you pick the Bills? Yeah. I did not not pick the Bills. The Bills are one of my favorite uh, bets last year. Yes. But I think it was at, I got it at 10 and a half, Mm -hmm. like minus 140 or something like that. And then didn't, did they finish? They finished with 11 or 12 wins. Nick was 11. Yeah, they, they, they had no, but they lost to the Jaguars and scored six points. They're like, they should have easily covered the over, and somehow it was a, a pure sweat to the end. That's still one of the weirdest things is that Josh Allen was the best player on planet Earth during the postseason. And not only did he score six points against the Jaguars, he threw three picks and was terrible against the Falcons like two weeks before the postseason started. Super weird. Super weird. But that is the magic of the NFL. Nobody remembers those two bad regular season games because he was unconscious during 
that, that, that postseason run for the Buffalo Bills. But Buffalo Bills total this year is 11 and a half. The over is minus 125. The under is plus 105. So 11 and a half. If you want to bet the over, you are betting on the Bills winning 12 or more games in the upcoming season. If they do that and you bet $125 at minus 125, you will win 100 bucks. The under is plus 105. So if you want to bet on the Bills not winning 12 games and then winning 11 or fewer games, if you bet $100, you will win $105. You'll also get your $100 back in both scenarios if you win. Um, in, in the case that there are ties, ties count as losses for the purposes of this uh, sportsbook. So if you have a, uh, a team that goes, the Bills went 11-5-1, that would still be a loss. Um, oh. Oh, so, oh, ties, ties. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, but if he... So like the Panthers are at six wins. Yes. If they go six and eleven, that's just that's a push. Okay. Yep, you get your money back. No, nothing, nothing win, nothing gained, nothing lost. So by, by the way, I love that um, we had the synchronicity of of CBS Sports and ESPN somehow uh, using the exact same sports book. Now that's it's magic, beautiful. right? I know it is nice. I don't have to. I don't have to worry about accidentally like <laughs> blowing up some sponsor on this podcast. evil sports book we would never possibly bet make bet bets with for attainment value with any of those other sports books um <laughs> please tell me your first first over under for the 2020 well bill um i i'm actually surprised to see at uh at william hill slash caesars or whatever um billy billy hill whatever we're calling it now that um <laughs> The juice. I'm getting. I'm getting plus money on this one. Okay. The Chicago Bears under plus one hundred five. Yep. Um. I I would have thought uh, under six and a half plus one hundred five. Excuse yep. me. Uh, I think if you look at what the Bears are doing, that they are borderline actively tanking, and I've noticed that <laughs> several uh, intelligent NFL analysts. I can't remember. Maybe. Well, I don't want to. You know prop them up too much it may have been like i think it was like sam monson and greg rosenthal were tweeting about this um uh, yeah i think they qualify as intelligent yeah yeah for sure um they were they were noting that that if you look at what the bears did this offseason you could even make the case that chicago that it looks like the current regime of ryan poles and matt eberfluss are not only are like not trying to help justin fields but might very well not believe in justin fields which i don't know that i like i i get what they're saying based on what they've done this offseason mm-hmm. but i don't understand like i i can't imagine that the i guess i don't know why i think the mccaskey family would operate with any sort of logic and it's starting now <laughs> in 2022 but like why would they hire a new regime a new coaching staff mm-hmm. a new front office a new gm that wasn't trying to build around the quarterback who they just gave up they just spent two first round picks on because yep. they traded up uh with the giants to get now the schedule is conducive to some wins sure because you play the lions twice they get nine home games i'm not sure the home field advantage is like that significant for a team that won't be very good um so they have the texas at home the vikings at home the dolphins at home the lions at home so like there are very winnable games here there are several extremely winnable games here i sort of understand why it's set at six and a half um but like their number one wide receiver is darnell mooney and their number two wide receiver is either Equinomia St. Brown, yep. Byron, Byron Pringle, or Velas Jones Jr., who they just drafted in the third round. Yes. They are going to be starting 
at left tackle, either Larry Borum, a 2021 fifth round pick or Tevin Jenkins, there's 2021 second round pick who wasn't even able to get on the field um, early on because of, you know, injury issues. And like, I think Justin Fields is a very good football player, potentially. I just don't know that he's got a lot around him. And so I struggle to identify how this offense uh, with Luke Getzey at coordinator, um, I believe his first turn at coordinator and Matt Eberfuss, the defensive head coach are going to get the most out of it. Additionally, in the, in the name of cleaning up the you know disastrous salary cap space, they cut Akeem Hicks or let Akeem Hicks walk at least and traded Khalil Mack to the uh, Los Angeles chargers for a second round pick. When you look at this defense, Eddie Jackson was once good. Um, Jalen Johnson looks like he's going to be a pretty good player. I mean, Eddie Jackson yeah. could bounce back for sure. I like Kyler Gordon, their second round pick, one of their second round picks as, as a rookie. And I think Roquan Smith is a good player. Justin Jones holds a special place in my heart as a former Wolfpacker. And Robert Quinn was good. Like, yeah, it's, a, it's like an ageless pass rushing wonder, which is especially crazy considering that in high school he had a brain tumor, or had a yeah, brain tumor taken out and still was like, it may have actually been in college. At any rate, you know, he's still first round pick and has been wildly successful for a lengthy amount of time with multiple teams. However, I don't see it on either side of the ball here, Bill, and I, I will yeah. happily take this team to win six or less games. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be yeah i mean the, the tough part here is i think Looking at this offensive depth chart, like you said, there's not a lot of talent on the offensive line at receiver around Justin Fields, which makes me think he's going to have to make magic happen on his own to win games for this team. He's going to have to make plays with his legs. He's going to have to extend plays to create throwing lanes for his receivers who are not very good, aren't exactly going to get open like they're Devontae Adams. So that runs the risk of Justin Fields getting injured. And to me, I think for the Bears to get over six and a half games, Justin Fields has to play 17 games this upcoming season. Because if it's not Justin Fields, a quarterback, well, it's Trevor Simeon, who was not very good for the Saints. Yeah. And yes, it is the Peter man himself, Nathan Peterman, oh, of playing games in 2022. If there's any evidence that your team is tanking, there's no stronger piece of evidence than signing Nathan Peterman. Yeah, that is a, that is a great point. I count... And, you know, one and somebody made this counterpoint to me on my podcast, Pick Six Podcast, Daily NFL Podcast, subscribe, rate, review, uh, on YouTube Live, one PM every day for the rest of eternity. Uh, that um, that uh, it, it may be like just getting um, Ryan Pace, the RP thing, screws me up, and Matt Nagy out. Uh, is it? It's possible that just anyone else might be willing to design an offense around Justin Fields, where you accentuate his talents. You know, I don't know if they go full 2012 RG three with the the read option or anything like that. I'm not sure they even have the personnel for it, but you know that would be a benefit for them as well. Although the the injury thing is certainly a risk. I count I count the five home games: the Texans, Lions, Vikings, who I think are are better than 
maybe they're being given credit for yeah. Washington okay. and the Dolphins, who all, you know the last latter three of those are certainly not free wins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're going to have to win four of those, and then win three road games at the Jets, at the Giants, at the Falcons, and like that to get there. So there's definitely a path to seven wins for the Bears. I just don't think that. And the other thing, Bill, is if you are a team. Let's say you're the Miami Dolphins and you get a 17 to nothing first half lead on the Chicago Bears in Chicago. And Mike McDaniel, a, a Kyle Shanahan protege with a beefed up backfield and a decent offensive line, they are going to run for 200 yards in the second half because the Bears, like we've seen the Bears when they lose Akeem Hicks during the season at times, their defense falls apart, especially against the run. And now they don't even have Khalil Mack. Like Justin Jones is good. They don't have the bodies in there to slow anybody down. And so I, I think if this is a team that if they if they don't like, I don't think they're going to be playing with a lead or scoring a lot of points. And I think people will be able to get downhill on them very, very quickly mm-hmm. because of the losses and personnel that they've suffered. Yeah. And I mean, this is a team where, again, the guys you're naming, that, that's if they stay healthy. I mean, the, the, the second and third strength for this team is not NFL caliber. So the moment you lose someone like a a Jalen Johnson or a Roquan Smith, like the guys coming in to replace those players who are, who are good players are replacement level NFL backups. So that could be a situation I'd be worried about in the second half of the season, where even if the matchups look good on paper, by the time the Bears get there, they're just not up to that level. So to me, I'm absolutely with you. I think under six and a half is very, very reasonable here uh, in the upcoming season. I will say my first pick, very similar vein, much worse odds. I I will ask you what you think, Will. I know I know where you're going. Can I guess where you're going with this? Please. The Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta, I think the Atlanta Falcons are the worst team a, in football. Not not just the worst team in football. I think they have a chance at having like a truly spectacular bad season, like a one in sixteen caliber season. I don't think that is outrageous, and I don't think the Falcons would mind if it happened. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, it would probably be the best thing for the franchise, but here's my case. Last year, the Falcons, 7-10, and 10, but, and I have someone who had to watch the Falcons very closely last year, 4.9 expected wins. Their victories were over the Giants, the Jets, the Dolphins when the Dolphins were stinking, the Saints with Trevor Simeon, the Panthers with Cam and P.J. Walker, the Jags, and the Lions. And those teams, not very good. wasn't like the Falcons were blowing those teams out. They won those games by an average of less than five points. And that was a year where Youngway Koo was basically un- unstoppable. He was 27 of 29 on field goals. He hit several game winners. I think, I want to say like five of those games involved uh, Youngway Koo field goals at the death to win. Um, so it wasn't like they were winning games by a lot. Um, and And I mean, that's all fine and dandy. But they're worse than they were a year ago. Like, obviously worse than they were a year ago. Last year, they at least had Calvin Ridley for part of the season. Now Calvin Ridley is gone for the entire year. Russell Gage stepped up at wide receiver in the second half. Well, Russell Gage is now Tampa's third receiver. Uh, Atlanta did draft Drake London, which is great, but rookie receivers don't always turn into superstars immediately. The depth chart out wide out after him, not very impressive. Uh, questions about the offensive line. They lost uh, Foyasade Aluakun, who was a very good linebacker for them a year ago. Um, they got a full season of AJ Terrell, who was phenomenal, but and you, you know, what if AJ Terrell is not phenomenal or doesn't have a, a full season again in 2022? That secondary is very, very worrisome. And most of all, Will, 
Last year, they had Matt Ryan, who Matt Ryan is maybe not the guy he was a few years ago, but Matt Ryan is still a pretty good quarterback. And now it's Marcus Mariota, who hasn't played in two years, and Desmond Ritter, a very Falcons team that, you know, has plenty of motivation to get Ritter in the lineup, you know, the moment that Marcus Mariota seems like he's wasting their time. So I think this could be extremely ugly for the Atlanta Falcons. I, I think this could be a, a one or two win season. So to me, I don't, I'd rather have under five, to be honest with you. I'd rather have five and a half with, with worse juice, obviously. But to me, I, I think they are clear favorites to be the worst team in football. Yeah. I mean, let's the, the two, you know, a couple of things on it. And, and I agree with you. I think that this will go to five and be like, under five, it'll. I think it'll settle. At, I don't know that they'll go to four and a half. They may go to four and a half eventually, depending on how the offseason goes. Um, four and a half, like plus one hundred, or you know, under five minus one ten. I, I, I think the minus one sixty is is a lot to lay, but five. You're getting that extra half. I mean, you look at this roster, Bill, and all right, I'm going to take the leap and say that Drake London is a blue chip player because they took sure. him early, and, and that, I'm sure that's fine. no problem. Um, do you, we want to give Chris? Is it? Did they pick up the option on Lindstrom or McGarry? I can't even remember. They picked up uh, on Lindstrom. McGarry yes. has been a major problem. Lindstrom yes. is pretty good. All opinion. right, so we'll say that Lindstrom is a is a building block. A 2019 okay. first round pick. They picked up his fifth year option. We'll give. We'll throw them that bone. Um, sure. Jake Matthews can't be one. He's too just too old. That's yeah. Just <laughs> I mean, it was a 2014 first round pick. Like he can't be a blue chip building block for for the future for a team with this roster. So we'll go London Lindstrom. And then we'll give him Kyle Pitts. Um, yep. You know, you can't go Desmond Ritter because he's a third round pick and we, we haven't seen enough. I think Grady Jarrett is probably too old at this point, but it, you know, 2015 fifth round pick, an incredible pick, but just too old. And then AJ Terrell and we're done here. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is the extent of the players on this roster that you would want on your team. If you were starting a, like if you were starting a, you know, trying to rebuild. And I think that, they went in on Deshaun Watson, which would have been a disastrous move for a team with this roster to actually get there to give one thousand percent. Yes, but but what ended up happening was when they went in on Watson, you know, it naturally caused Matt Ryan to say, you know, you open the, <laughs> the door, so I'm going to step through it, and I think it created a reality check for this team that they are not where they they they. Terry Fontenot said that he thought they could have basically have their cake and eat it to rebuild and reload and keep trying to win while also building the roster. And I think they have come to the realization that's not the case. And no cake. No cake no is cake. happening here. Yes. There's no, you're not even going to eat. You're just going to tear <laughs> blankly in a, an empty cake case. Um, <laughs> and then you look at the schedule and the NFC South, I believe, plays the NFC West this year. So have fun with that. And also the AFC North. So have fun with that. There are the, if you are, if, if one were a betting person sure. one and one wanted to get a head start on week one in September, and one wouldn't mind laying, leaving that money in, in somewhere in, in escrow with a, with a sports book until September, <laughs> one would probably be smart to uh, wager on the, uh, the saints Mm -hmm. to at minus five in Atlanta in week one, that number is going to be above a touchdown by the time the season starts. They then go after that, they go at Los Angeles at Seattle. They host the Browns. Ooh. We don't know if Deshaun Watson will be playing yeah. at Tampa, the 49ers at Cincy, the Panthers, Ooh. the chargers at Carolina. Oh, the aforementioned bears at home. Um, 
that that'll be a little head to head for us at, yeah. at Washington, Pittsburgh. There's just there's like there's like two wins on the schedule. Yeah, I Maybe. mean it, it's it's hard to find many spots where they're going to be favored, and it's hard to feel like this is look at like the Bears. Like this is a year where they are rebuilding. They are you know trying to create some salary cap space in the future. They have a hundred million plus, I think, in the future. So, you know, this is a year where they're going to eat their vegetables and and not be in great shape and. You know, I don't know if their coaching staff is going to survive this, but this is the thing they have to do. I mean, they they took that core as long as it could, as far as it could go. It went to a Super Bowl, and now it, it's starting over, and it's going to be pretty ugly this year. So, yeah, I, I think the Falcons are pretty comfortably to me the worst team in football. Um, let's get your next over under. I am going to go with an over here. I'm I actually had another under written down, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ponder if I want to pivot from that one. Ooh, on okay. It. Yeah, okay. it's a little, little teaser, I guess. And uh, I'm going to head to the AFC West, and I'm going to buy low on the best quarterback in football and the best offensive coach yes. in perhaps the history of football. And I will take the over on the Kansas City Chiefs at minus 130. The Chiefs have the, – the, the Chiefs are – I don't want to call them like victims, but I mean like the Chiefs are – the Chiefs are being poo-pooed because it's the offseason. And because the Raiders got Devontae Adams and the Chargers <laughs> got Khalil Mack and the Broncos got Russell Wilson and all those moves are fantastic uh, for, the, for the here and now. For the future, we'll see how it, it goes. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill. I get it. But they still have Patrick Mahomes and they still have Andy Reid and they have an absolutely loaded offensive line that gelled together in the second half of last season. Andy Reid has once, Bill, since 2013. Only once, not gone over his win total since arriving in Kansas City. It was last year, and he missed it by half a game. They are plus money to win the division. I understand that Russell Wilson is very good, but he is going to a new play, a new a new team with mm-hmm. new receivers, and and you know, like again, the Broncos are a quarterback away. That's fine. The Chargers are look like they have an incredible roster. They are still the Chargers. And <laughs> the Raiders are dealing with a new coach and a, you know, a new scheme and, and a lot of different changes. And sure, they added Chandler Jones as well. But, you know, I mean, let's assuming that that defense is going to be great to me is a bit of a bridge too far. I, I, you know, the Chiefs, like, I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling are going to replace Tyreek Hill. I don't know. I think, I do think there's a chance Miko Hartman actually, you know, lives up to you know, a little bit of the hype in, in his third year. This is just this is just way too much of a downgrade on the Chiefs, given Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. All they have to do is win 11 games. I don't even need to look at the schedule. I will just blindly bet that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes can get there because they're Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. It does feel like a bet you're going to feel good about making. Like there, there are some bets. Like last year, I had I think the Falcons over, and every week I had to watch the Falcons like <laughs> narrowly eke out a victory and be terrible for most of the game like betting on the chiefs is fun like yeah. betting to back the chiefs like even if they lose like okay well i still at least felt like i was live that entire game you know yeah absolutely and the schedule isn't easy like they start at arizona chargers at home at indy at tampa bay las vegas at home buffalo at home at san francisco before they're by that's not easy i get it but they also have the texans the jaguars Seahawks. Yeah. The Seahawks who look like they could be a bad team. The Titans who are definitely a worse team than they were uh, last year and, and plenty of home games coming up in the second half of the season. And like, I understand it. I get it. Like, Oh, that's a tough schedule to start. Yes. But do you know what else is tough? 
playing the Chiefs. The Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's 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 just I just think that given it, this is basically fading the offseason narrative that everyone but the Chiefs got way way better in the AFC West. Yeah, I, I think that yeah, losing Tyreek Hill is going to hurt that team in the short term. I think that's fair to say, but I still think this offense is going to be just fine. I think they're going to be a different sort of offense than they've been in years past, but I still think they're going to be plenty efficient and plenty effective in part because the guy who they have throwing the football is really, really, really good. And I think the defense could be better than it was a year ago. Um, I think that they might be a little luckier in some situations than they were a year ago. And I, I just think they are, they're just a bet you want to, I think you want to make, like, I think it's just, it, it's it's always better to bet on the Chiefs than bet against the Chiefs because you're never going to feel good having to sweat betting against Patrick Mahomes. As someone who had Chiefs under last year, betting against Patrick Mahomes, not fun. Um, I will stick in this division. I have an under on one of the teams you mentioned. It is the Las Vegas Raiders at eight and a half minus 125. And this is a, in part, a bet against sort of the, oh, well, they added Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. Like, yes, those are two good players. Sure, Devontae Adams is a phenomenal wide receiver. But what if Devontae Adams plays 12 games or 10 games? What if he's not, you know, the guy he was with Aaron freaking Rodgers as his quarterback? Like, yes, he has a relationship with Derek Carr. Derek Carr is not Aaron Rodgers. Um, Chandler Jones had five sacks in week one last year and was kind of anonymous the rest of this season. I, I think. Those are good additions, but let's 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 counterbalance that against a lot of concerns about this team. We don't know if Josh McDaniels is a good head coach. Last time we saw him as a head coach, he was a very bad head coach, I think it's fair to say, in Denver. Um, this team was much worse than its record. Yes, they did go 10 and 7. Yes, they did make it to the postseason very narrowly over the Los Angeles Chargers, but this is a team that was six and seven late in the year. And then they got a string of compromised quarterbacks. They got Nick Mullins of the Cleveland Browns in a game they won by two points. They got Drew Locke and the Broncos in a game they won by four points. They got COVID afflicted Carson Wentz, where he came back moments before the game started in a game they won by three points. And then the Chargers game, I don't need to remind you how crazy that was. I think the Raiders were the better team in that game. But this was not a team that was on a postseason path, not like they were heading in the right direction. They were floundering, and then they managed to stumble upon two and three, sorry, three just dismal quarterback situations and won a few games narrowly. They had 6.9 expected wins a year ago across their entire season. Now they get a second-place schedule. They get eight home games instead of nine. They were 21st in DVOA last year. They were basically... Uh, just behind another team I'm going to mention in a minute, but they were behind Seattle, well behind Seattle. They were behind the Browns. They were behind the Vikings. They were behind the Broncos, not Russell Wilson. This was not a good team. And so I think the additions they made matter, but they're, they're counteracted by what the Broncos did in adding Russell Wilson. They're going to be a much better team this year. I think the Chargers are going to be a much better team this year. And I think that the Chiefs, are maybe not as good on paper as they were a year ago, but I think they're still way ahead of the Las Vegas Raiders, who they beat 48-9 to and 41-14 a year ago. So to me, 
I am not buying the Raiders. I think they are a seven or eight win team this year. It, somebody's going to have to lose some games in the AFC West. Like, yes. I mean, it, you know, that's just how it works. And you look at this number and it's eight and eight and a half and it, it's juice to the under. And I'm glad it's you and not me because the haters and the losers will call me a <laughs> hater and a loser for things I say about Derek Carr. Um, I, I, I don't, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know him. And so I don't want to besmirch his name, but their offensive coordinator is Mick Lombardi. Like big Mick. Yeah. Some clown named Mike Lombardi. <laughs> that was my best Kelsey impersonation. Um, I, I mean, is, is he ready to be, I mean, I, I assume McDaniels is going to call plays, but like, yeah. Is he ready to be an offensive coordinator? Patrick Graham is a nice DC. I just think once you get past the Max Crosby, Chandler Jones are going to destroy everyone narrative that is sort of being built up because, you know, and Max Crosby is very good. Oh, um, yes. But and Chandler Jones at his best is very good. Oh, for like, sure. Their secondary is not going to stop anyone. If the, no. if the pass rush doesn't get home, um, I think you can probably run on this team pretty effectively straight up the middle. And let's not forget, Bill, that this is the same team that just declined the fifth-year option on all three of their first round picks. 2019 first-round picks. Josh and Jacobs. Then, yes. And then their 2020 first-round pick. Uh, sorry, those, those guys for 2019. They drafted Henry Ruggs in the first round, who obviously is not going to be on this team after the, the tragic car crash, um, his DUI, his alleged DUI. Um, they cut uh, – who was their other cornerback in the first round? Who was on the gun charge? Uh, it was. Oh yeah. Um, I can't think of its name. Gracious. Um, I I'm only human. Please give me a break here. I they also cut another cornerback. <laughs> I'll come up in a second. You keep filibustering. They also cut another cornerback in the first round. So there's there's a, a core first round picks in this team that haven't worked out. I mean, this was supposed to be kind of the the crux of this team. The guys who were going to be their Damon Arnett stars. Damon Arnett. Thank you. Well, um, two first round picks in 2020. Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett. Yes, I mean, obviously. The guy selected after them was Lynn Bowden Jr., who they traded before the, the, like the draft ended, I believe. Yes. And then they just traded Brian Edwards, the other third-round pick from that class. Did they? I didn't really didn't they to the Falcons? Oh, I didn't even know that. See, this is why this is why you can't get COVID during the offseason. Yeah, they traded. Yeah, actually, it happened like in the, in the last week. It was a, ooh, don't watch out. It, it, it happened. Drake London and Brian Edwards. <laughs> Have to adjust my. They, they really did trade with the Falcons for like nothing. I, I have to adjust my best ball ranks for for this topic. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I I feel like like that young core, the guys who you would expect to be the guys who were pushing this team forward, the guys who were supposed to be the stars of this team, are not there. And I, I'm not saying that they won't be able to replace those guys. They did they did draft guys like Henry, uh, not Henry Brooks, Hunter Renfro, and uh, and Crosby in later rounds, and that makes a big difference because you hit on a couple stars in the later rounds, but. I mean, this team is is flawed. I think very significantly flawed. I don't think Derek Carr is the problem, but is Derek Carr going to be able to shoulder the sort of workload he has to shoulder to prop up some of the weak parts of this team? I, you know, I, I think they're going to be good. I think they'll have some games where they look really impressive, but I would be surprised if they got to nine wins. What What is the Raiders' record coming out of their week six bye? They are at the Chargers, Cardinals at home, at the Titans, Broncos at home, at the Chiefs. Oh boy. Because I think two and three, you're feeling good about it. 
Yeah, I think if they're two and three, I think you feel like they're going to hit this this nine win total. But yeah, because they have Houston, Jacksonville at you know, at Jacksonville. Although I mean, like that's not a that's not a. I mean, the Bills lost in Jacksonville last year, you know. Uh, yeah. Houston at Jacksonville, at Seattle. Man, you 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 got to get to two and three if yeah, you want to get to nine. Yeah, that's going to be tough. I mean, the Cardinals are much better in the first half of the year than they are in the second half. Three road games against you know two playoff teams and one team that came within a uh, you know a a ten yard run of making it to the postseason in the Chargers. It's going to be rough. So I, I just think a decent team, but not as good as maybe uh, people are making them out to be. Who do you have next? Well, uh, I mentioned Jason Kelsey. So why not go to his team and we will yeah. take the over on my somehow adopted uh, team of the off season, the team that I am. I, like I am uh, my, my producer, producer of my podcast, uh, Debo mm-hmm. is a huge Philly sports fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, typically speaking, I have made fun of the Eagles and made fun of the Sixers and made fun sure. of just made fun. Yeah. Just a you know, casual banter back and forth. No, However, when the Eagles selected in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft, my favorite player in the entire draft, Jordan Davis out of Georgia. And then use their other first round pick to draft, which is to trade for one of my favorite wide receivers in the entire NFL player. I love more than some members of my family, AJ Brown. Uh, I decided that I'm an Eagles fan this year. And if I can get their over under at nine wins, Bill, I am happily taking the over minus 120. I think that you look at this team in Philadelphia and if Jalen Hurts, like Jalen Hurts was probably more fantasy sizzle than real life quarterback stake, but that's mm-hmm. okay. He did some very nice things last year. And now they have this really deep offensive line that is built for the future. They have a really deep defensive line. And those are the two sort of things that, you know, made that 2017 run possible. I feel like you know, as much as Carson Wentz's magic touchdown percentage beans helped, um, <laughs> You know, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown is a is a really fun one-two combination. You add in Dallas Goddard, of course. You have Miles Sanders and some, you know, some other backs in, in that backfield. And they just picked up, as of today, uh, James Bradbury on a one-year deal. So now there's secondaries, James Bradbury and Darius Slay. They added Hassan Reddick in the, in the uh, you know, as a pass rusher, linebacker, hybrid type um, in the offseason. This this looks like a, a in a seventeen game season. This doesn't look like a nine an eight to nine win team to me. This looks like a ten or eleven or twelve win team to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's not out of the realm of possibility in the slightest. I I'm intrigued. I mean, I, I guess I wonder what this offense is going to look like because they had, I mean, a lot of success last year when they sort of got away from being a balanced offense, went to a run first attack with Jalen Hurts. That really kind of propelled them forward after a rough start to the season. But now you have Devontae Smith entering a second season. You have A.J. Brown coming over from Tennessee. It sort of feels like they're going to be more of a, you know, more of a passing attack than they were during that second half run from a year ago. And I guess I wonder, I mean, are they going to be as successful running a more balanced offense? That's a fair question. Um, I I thought that um, Nick Sirianni got rightfully killed for some of the silly things like rock, paper, scissors, and <laughs> some of the other things he said, and like his various press conferences, like they weren't, a very, they weren't good sure. press conference quotes. I, you know, get it. Um, 
But RJ White, my colleague who pops on the podcast, it pointed out correctly that the in-season adjustment to change your offense, to change what you were doing, to, to get to something that worked for what you mm -hmm. needed to win football games to get to the playoffs, um, even if you weren't like a Super Bowl caliber team, is a really good sign for Nick Sirianni and that coaching staff that they might be able to adjust on the fly and to, you know, to, to, to change the way that they approach what they do on offense, what works. And so like that, I mean, that is a big, big plus, you know, like, like we talk about the bears, you know, Matt Nagy is just like, well, we'll just keep running my offense, even though it's not working. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and it, like, it's like, you, you really not going to cater to, to, you know, they, they changed what they did to fit the, players that they had. And that is, that is something I think is imperative for, for a team to, to be successful. I, I look at the schedule too. They're at Detroit to start They're three and a half point road favorites, just like they were when they won 44, six last year in, in Detroit, they get Minnesota at home at Washington in the like ultimate, you know, Carson Wentz revenge game, which I, I think Philly will probably be favored Jacksonville at home at Arizona and the Cowboys at home. I mean, I don't think it is outrageous that they're four and two going into their bye with Houston, Washington at home. Oh boy. The Giants, the Bears, and the Giants again out of the bye. And so, you know, you have some tougher games. Of course, you have the Packers, the Titans at home, both of those teams at home, mm -hmm. uh, and the Saints at home. Like, you know, but to me, I'm looking at like a baseline of eight wins. You just need to kind of flip some of those. You know, you just need to win a couple of those coin flips. You know, maybe you win an Indy, beat Pittsburgh at home. You know, I, I this the schedule is fairly friendly, and they have a lot of depth on both sides of the line. I I, I think I I love the Eagles at two two to one or better to win the NFC East. I think they got meaningfully better this all season, and I don't think the Cowboys did. Yeah, I, I like the division bet for sure. I, I like the over two. I, I would just rather... I'd rather bet, bet the division bet than the over win. Yeah, me too. I, that's what I, I would say, I feel. Um, I'll, I'll go with an over as well. I, I will go with a team where I feel like they got better this offseason. And I think we're treating what was a, a franchise-level outlier for them from last year as maybe their new baseline, which I don't think is fair. I'm going to go Ravens over yes. nine and a half, which is minus... 130. And to me, yes, they were very lucky in the first half of 2021. I mean, just the Lions game alone where Justin Tucker hit that miraculous field goal off the uprights and tells you how lucky they were. But they were 8-3 and three before Lamar Jackson got hurt. They lost two games, I believe, uh, on two-point conversions, which would have won the game. They had a six-game losing streak to end the season, which included five of those games which were uh, losses by seven points or less. And I think more than anything else, Will. <laughs> I know where you're going with this, Bill. Just like the Ravens have had good defenses oh. every single season. They've been a franchise until outside of, I think, one year. I think the last year Brian Billick was in charge. And last season, they were a mess on defense. So you bring in Marcus Williams from the Saints. You get... Your cornerbacks back after losing Marcus Peters for the entire season, after losing Merlin Humphrey for a good chunk of the year. You bring in Michael Pierce back uh, from Minneapolis to play the nose. You have Odafe Owe playing a second season. You bring in David Ojabo. It might not be healthy this year, but um, wouldn't be shocked if they make another defensive addition in the weeks before the season. And you bring in Mike McDonald. They, they made a change at coordinator. They got rid of Wink Barnardale. They bring in Mike McDonald. Um, I... I the, the, this organization has been too good 
at drafting and developing defensive players for 30 years, 25 years, to make me feel like they are not going to be better than they were a year ago when they were 28th in defensive DVOA. I just don't think that is likely. So to me, I think the defense is better. I think, you know, even if Lamar Jackson does miss a game or two, still think you get a a, a longer season from Lamar Jackson than what we got last year. I, I think this is a, a, a tough division, certainly. But if Deshaun Watson gets suspended, which I think is likely, if the Bengals are maybe not quite as good as they look during the postseason, which I think is maybe fair, if the Steelers take a step backwards with their quarterback situation, which I think is also probably fair, I think the Ravens are, they should be favorites to win this division. And I think they are a team that could win 11 and 12 games, not just even batting an eye. In 2021, or sorry, 2020, yep. the San Francisco 49ers, when I say led, I mean in a bad way, led <laughs> the NFL in adjusted games lost per football outsiders, including games with COVID. They yep. were thir- over 30 games past the, the, ne- the next closest team. They had 166.6 yikes, uh, games lost, including COVID, Bill. In 2021, the Baltimore Ravens, quote unquote, led the NFL in adjusted games lost with 191.2 games lost. That is so outrageously high that there is like they are the next closest was almost 40 back. And the and the next closest that was the Jets at 158 and a half. And the next closest after that was the Lions at 122. Like they lost 70 more games than the Lions. In terms of player, like the, the seventy wouldn't put you at like tenth. I mean, like that. It is crazy how many games they lost to injury. Yes, a lot of them were their running backs. And normally, you could say, well, running backs are replaceable, and I don't disagree with that take. But for a team that has more than two thousand rushing yards, has two thousand rushing yards more than the next closest team since two thousand eighteen, losing three or four running backs to ACL injuries in before the season begins is a big freaking problem. And so even that alone, and you, you know, think about San Francisco, they started slow last year, but eventually got going and easily cruised over their, their win total, I believe. I, I, yeah, I'm with you 100%. Baltimore is a absolute bounce back by low spot in terms of their win total. It should not be single digits and they will win 10 plus games. I feel very confident saying. Yeah, I, I think it's just if Lamar is healthy, which again, maybe he'll miss a game or two, but he has not been a guy who has suffered significant Contract injuries. season too. Contract. I mean, every year is going to be a contract season if Lamar doesn't sign a new deal. It's going to be a contract year for the next presidential administration. Sounds like. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is one where I feel pretty good about about backing in the Ravens here. Uh, what's your next one? My next one is a, a, another over. Hmm. It's kind of dangerous of us to pick all these <laughs> overs in, in May, but <laughs> I've got two more. I, my last two are unders, so I, don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll bring some negativity to the proceedings. Well, uh, I think that I hope that your under isn't this one, but I'm going to take the, I will take the team that was, uh, I don't know what I think. I'm trying to do the math on which team went where, but I'll take the, the Indianapolis Colts over at nine and a half wins. Okay. Um, is that one of your unders? I hope not. It's not, but it's adjacent to one of my unders. Ah, interesting. I would, I guess I would guess that I can, in fact, oh, see, this is good, Bill. That means yeah. that if you are going in the direction I think you're going, mm-hmm. you know, bachelorette party buses and whatnot, <laughs> uh, then see this is this is two now because we both had the um, what was the other one? I uh, had the, the, oh, the yeah, Chiefs, the, the Chiefs, Chiefs Raiders, and yes, yeah. exactly. This is that's good news. Um, 
the calculus here is pretty simple. You take team X and you subtract Carson Wentz and then you add Matt Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done here uh no in all in all seriousness um i do think that i you know you watch a lot of falcons games you mentioned that earlier like matt ryan wasn't that bad last year i mean he wasn't good but he wasn't that bad like he wasn't like a five win team bad or whatever whatever they seven win team whatever it was sure. the matt ryan much like philip rivers is leaving a team that drafted him for the first time in his career. He is getting the rejuvenated nature of going to this new franchise in a place where they've had success with these rejuvenation prospects. Mm-hmm. Frank Reich is a player's coach, a quarterback's sure. coach. Every quarterback who's ever played for Frank Reich raves about playing for him. Well, maybe not Carson Wentz anymore. Well, yes. I, mean, I think Carson Wentz would still rave about Frank Wright. I mean, <laughs> the way how Chris, like, Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay just don't like Carson Wentz is the problem. I burnt um, my bridge, but I still like Frank. He's still a good one. Still a great guy, that Frank. Um, they have a outstanding offensive line, one of the best in, in football, and they have they they took uh, steps this offseason, uh, bringing Matt Pryor, drafting Bernard Raymond. They just added, is it... Uh, it's not Danny Kelly because he Dennis Kelly. Dennis D- Kelly. I mean, if they bring in Danny Kelly, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm going way under. Danny Kelly, very nice, nice gentleman. Love Danny Kelly. Danny Kelly, not, <laughs> not, not, not a big guy. Not. not Can not, you imagine not, like watching Danny Kelly? And I love Danny Kelly. He's the best. Um, but watching Danny Kelly and like Quentin Nelson block on the left side of the Colts line would be just fun for like at least a, a, a series or two. I will say Danny Kelly is someone who uh, tried shrimp cocktail for the first time in Indianapolis. Maybe he could just uh, maybe just love the shrimp cocktail so much that he wants to go back and play for the Colts. Yeah, good for Danny. I hope he just finally, finally got on that St. Elmo's bandwagon with the, the horseradish. Um, I think that, that with, with Dennis Kelly and Matt Pryor and Bernard Raymond, they've done enough to figure out a way to solve that left tackle issue instead of, you know, bringing in Eric Fisher with a, with a, you know, busted leg Achilles, whatever it was at left tackle to start last season. Um, they have Jonathan Taylor should not slow down quite yet. I mean, he is still very young. They brought in Yannick Ngakwe, you know, whatever, but he's still a very, you know, still a, a capable pass rusher. They also brought in Stefan Gilmore. They have, should get, hopefully get a full season of Darius Leonard. DeForest Buckner is a freak show. And they play in a division with a team in the Titans that I think got, meaningfully worse this offseason that is making clearly making signs that they are in some sort of reboot type of mode. Um, the, I think the Jaguars are a much better team, but I don't think they are like a great team quite yet. And the Houston Texans have a four and a half win total. So it's to me, the, the Colts have uh, multiple paths to getting over this, um, you know, over nine and a half wins and sa- same sort of thing with, uh, with the, Eagles like if you were inclined to if so if you were so inclined I would not have a problem with betting the Colts to win the division at even money because they could still win the division at nine wins I mean they start at Houston at Jacksonville Casey at home Tennessee at home at Denver and then uh, Jacksonville at home like if they even if they lose to Denver and KC I still like their they're eight point favorites right now at, at, at Houston. I still like their chances of starting the season four and two. Um, and then 
you know, there's they close at New at the Giants and with Houston as their I final. Mean, the I mean, well, game. what are the chances the Colts would lose to an AFC South opponent on the road as huge favorites in Week One? In week one or or week, or week 17, right? Or, yeah. or week 18. What are the odds? I don't think that's like. No, well, remember, I mean, remember, remember Philip Rivers actually in his first game yeah. lost in mm-hmm. Jacksonville and then the Jaguars didn't win another game. Yes. It was like, oh, same old Philip Rivers goes to Indianapolis and blows a late lead. And then they were, he was fine the rest of the year and the Jaguars were in absolute train wreck the rest of the season. Um, here's my concern with the Colts. The, to me, this is one where I'm staying away. I, I, I think the points you've made are valid. I think the offensive line is going to be fine. I think the offense is going to be good. Are we sure that Gus Bradley is a no, we, we are not. We are not. Because here's the thing about Gus Bradley. Go back through his recent history. As a head coach and as a coordinator, Gus Bradley has led two defenses of any note. And the things they had in common for Gus Bradley, who plays a lot of cover three, cover one, is that they had a world-class free safety. He had Earl Thomas in Seattle, and he had Derwin James with the Chargers. When he did not have Earl Thomas, when he was with the Jaguars, and when he had the Chargers without Derwin James, his defenses were kind of bent, sometimes bad. But the Jaguars, usually really bad. And with all due respect to Julian Blackman, who was a good football player, there is no free safety like Earl Thomas or Derwin James on this roster. So I am a little concerned that even though I think the offense is going to be fine, which I do, I don't know about the defense. I think losing Vladimir Flus is a problem to me. So I, um, I please go ahead. No, I was going to say, as I was embarking on my explanation of why I like the Colts, you know, obviously you have your pages up with their schedule and I have, oh, sure. I bring up the hour lads and I'm scrolling to look at the depth chart and I see, I was like, oh no, I've forgotten they hired Gus Bradley. I have a, <laughs> I have a buddy who's a Chargers fan who, would routinely like doesn't like Gus Bradley for that reason. And would routinely laugh all last year because he, because it's like <laughs> we're playing the Raiders and Gus Bradley just doesn't know how to make adjustments. I mean, you remember, well, I mean, remember the chiefs all last year was, Oh, play too high against the chiefs. You're fine. The Raiders come up. They play, <laughs> they, play they, they play single high, like 90% of the time they get blown out 40 or 14. Okay. You know what? You tried it one time. You got a rematch coming up. Don't do the same thing. They did the same thing and lost 48 to nine. That's the scary part for me. Okay. That, that is a, I, I have, I have no counterpoint whatsoever, but again, they don't have to be great, right? They just have to be the best team in the AFC. They just have to be good enough to win 10 games, which is hardly out of the question for the Indianapolis Colts. To me, I I think it's a reasonable bet. I just don't, there are ones I feel better about on this. On, on this board, one Including. of which is in the same division where I am, as you said, pedaling my way to the Tennessee Titans under nine and a half wins at minus one twenty-five. Where you alluded to this, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you talk about it. I, I think it's fair to say the Titans are not as good of a team on paper as they were a year ago. Yeah, I mean they they um <laughs> actually, Bill, you know, famously we did this show. You did. And we said, okay, you know what? We give up. <laughs> we were wrong. Derrick Henry is an unstoppable, unbreakable, unbreakable robot uh, sent from the future to uh, annihilate theory- theories about running back carries and, and wear and tear on the body. And then 
I, maybe before the podcast got published, he like broke his foot or something like something. Like that. I mean, it was it was literally like the next week because we were DMing about it. And so he so but that's important because he is coming off that season where he got banged up and still had a ton of carries and already came back and, you know, and, and tried to make a run, um, you know, late in the year. And then you have the departure of AJ Brown. So now it's Robert Woods and Traylon Burks and Ryan Tannehill, like sort of with Malik Willis, sort of kind of with Malik Willis bearing down on him. And Ryan Tannehill, where it feels like the entire city has given up on him. Yeah. And like, remember when he was staying away from the, team even though there weren't really like team activities and it was like very clearly a leak designed to let people know that he was unhappy about his contract and then they drafted the most notable quarterback in the draft with a third round yeah. pick i mean it it feels very i mean mike fravel storming around the draft room like looking pissed <laughs> off because they just traded aj brown yeah. i mean at the very least it feels like they're retooling yes and and, and 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 it's fine to retool i don't think there's anything wrong with the idea of retooling but this is a team that again by DVOA, which is not perfect, but it's the best measure I think we have of team performance, they were 20th in the NFL last year. They were not even an average team. And yes, their record was better, and that matters. And, you know, if you think Mike Rabel and, and Tennessee have found a way to sort of overcome what we know about teams traditionally, that's your prerogative, and that's fine. And you've been right the past couple of years, frankly. They have been magical in, in, in some ways. But... I think you're counting on a lot of things to go right for Tennessee to be a 10-win team again this year. I think you're counting on the AFC South to be a mess, which, hey, maybe it will be. You're counting on Henry to come back and play most of the season and be the guy he was before the injury. And granted, Derrick Henry was loading up on carries last year. He had the most carries for any player in NFL history mm. through eight games, but he was not as efficient with those carries as he had been in years past. So there's a chance that Derrick Henry is not that same guy this upcoming season. They lost Roger Saffold up front. They're re retooling the offensive line as this goes on. Um, and again, they may decide halfway through the year, hey, Malik Willis is someone we want to develop. And, you know, we're four and four and and we're going to work towards 2023. But but I, you know, I, I do feel like there is plenty of talent on this team. It's not as if I would be shocked if they went and won 10, 11 games again. But I, I think there's more downside than it might look like, given how they have won games over the past couple of years. I agree completely. And it, again, like correlated with the, the Colts. Uh, we did not plan that, to be clear. No, no, no. We we have two. I mean, I was I was glad when. I mean, I certainly we certainly don't want to. I mean, like in, in a perfect world. We don't have competing. You know, like, I mean, you know, you're like you don't want to. You want to have you be like I like the Titans over, and I'm like I like the Colts <laughs> over. Oh boy. Um, yeah, I think I think it just. I mean, I think that that's a good thing. That means we feel concrete about the bets. Okay, so yes, I have one more I have to give out. Yes, and this one I wrote down immediately, and I'm trying to decide if I want to pivot to something else. Okay, mm. I probably shouldn't. I probably should just stick with my gut. Stick stick with your gut. I'm gonna stick with my gut and. Suggest that for the third straight year, or is it the fourth straight year at this point? Uh oh. That the Carolina Panthers oh, are not no. going to win a lot of football games. Oh boy. Yeah. So they, I like Matt Corral a lot. 
Um, I am in a world of pain if he's a great quarterback because I ripped the pick since Carolina essentially gave up what amounts to like three third round picks to get him. Oh boy. By the time you actually do the math. And so like that's it's not it has nothing to do with Matt Corral, the player. It has to do with the process of right. acquiring the quarterback. For sure. And I think that the Carolina Panthers have shown a significant inability to figure out that position through transactional methods. That that's that's fair. I think, yeah. I they think got they rejected by Carson Wentz, Bill. <laughs> Carson Wentz told them no. I don't want to play for your team. So they panicked and drafted Sam Darnold. And now they sort of panicked. Traded for Sam Darnold. Yes, traded. Yes, sorry. Traded for Sam Darnold. Um, and I think they sort of panicked and drafted Matt Corral, traded up to draft him. And even though they took Iki Aquanu, my NC State guy, an incredible prospect, an absolute freakish athlete, and one hell of a model American. He really, he actually, he actually started a, uh, a homeless, uh, a, a charity to help homeless people in Charlotte before he was drafted by the Panthers, like the week before. So that's wow. pretty cool. Um, I think the offensive line is meaningfully better with Bradley Bozeman and Austin Corbett and Icky coming in. They no, have a there. couple of weapons and DJ Moore and maybe Tommy. Yeah, okay. They don't really have great weapons. They do have Christian McCaffrey. The defense could be that, okay. That, that counts. I love that you were, you were going to bring up Tommy Tremble before or Christian freak, McCaffrey, Christian freaking <laughs> McCaffrey. Who like, yes, like I know it's hard to count on him being there, but like, Christian McCaffrey was the consensus back-to-back first overall pick in fantasy football. And it's still, after two basically wasting games, it's like number three this year, two or three. It's like maybe even two behind Taylor, right? Yeah, I think so. Who's the other? Who would be three? Cup, Cup, I guess. Oh, Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I still think like most people would lean towards McCaffrey. Um, Yeah, I just don't know that we can count on Christian McCaffrey to be healthy. Well, no. But I... And the defense, the defense is like could be okay. It was good last year. The defense was not the problem last year. The defense is not the problem. Um, the problem no. is their their quarterback problem is a significant problem. Like, how are they going to win games with Sam Darnold? Yeah, how I, are they I, winning I, seven games with Sam Darnold? How? Let me ask you this: Well, last year Sam Darnold started three and zero against some very weak competition, like the Giants, the Jets, sorry, okay. Jets, and Texans, Jets, Saints, who are a good defense to be fair, and Texans. Yes. And there were definitely people who were ready to jump out and say, hey, actually, I was right about Sam Darnold this whole time. And even though he was bad in the Jets, I knew once he got out of Carolina, he, or once he got to Carolina, he was going to be a star. Then Christian McCaffrey got hurt, and Sam Darnold was in pain for the rest of the season. What would it take this year for those same people to say, you know what? I've been wrong the first four years of Sam Darnold's career, but now that we're seeing what he's doing in year five, I know this is the real Sam Darnold. What would it take for that to happen? Um, magic pixie dust. Magic pixie dust. He starts uh, like Browns, Icky, Giants, Saints. Icky Aquanu is um, yeah. It, it, uh, Deshaun Watson suspension. Uh, a like voodoo doll in MetLife Stadium, and um, uh, Taysom Hill starting for the Saints in Week Three. <laughs> I, okay. I, yeah, I mean, like they they could start. I mean, they could start three and zero. I mean, in theory. They absolutely could. And if they did, I would be real panicked about this under because they get the Lions at home late. I'm yeah. not sure that means anything. The Steelers at home late. They are at Seattle and they play the Falcons twice. But you know what? They started 3-0 last year and they had the Giants on the road. They, mm-hmm. had, uh, they had Washington at home. They had Atlanta at home. 
and they lost all those games and went five and twelve. So they could start three and zero and still fail to get to six. I mean, Matt Rule is ten and twenty three as a head coach. He he wins five games every year. That's even worse than Jeff Fisher. You don't want to be worse than Jeff Fisher. <laughs> at, least, at least at least be seven and bleeping nine. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I think the Panthers should be really more like five and a half. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, and I but I. The, the Falcons kind of scare me because I think there's a chance the Panthers sweep the Falcons. They are better than the Falcons on paper. Yeah. And if they sweep Falcons, like like the Falcons and Panthers are a problem for the Panthers and Falcons unders. <laughs> the reality of there's a real sadness ball happening there where people yeah. just clutching, clutching their under tickets or watching that game in a panic. Absolutely. Um, um, I have one more. Yes. This one is close to home. Just as your Panthers under is close to home, I am picking the New York Giants mm. to go under seven at minus one twenty-five. Well, sad end of this podcast. Just it is sad. Carrying but, our hometown teams, but but that you know what? Not unwarranted. The Panthers have earned it, and I think the Giants have earned it. And yes, I am excited about Brian Dable and Joe Shane taking over. We we can we can do a post mortem for the Dave Gettleman era. Some other time. I feel like we talked about it more than anything else. You, we, we did the show together last year, where we broke down the Joe Judge press. Oh conference. my god, I forgot we did that show too. Yeah, that was an incredible. I got, we got, I got more notes about that. It was like, what an unbelievable. You did like forty-five minutes on Joe Judge's <laughs> post-week seventeen press conference. Incredible, I, incredible. Oh god, they're gone, yes. and the people who are coming in, I believe, are competent, but. Is that enough to take this team that was four and thirteen a year ago to win more than seven games? I, I find that hard to believe. They had four point nine expected wins a year ago, which better than four and thirteen, but not significantly better. Um, their cap situation is a mess. They had to just cut James Bradbury, who signed with your Eagles, because they could not create cap space in any other way. They couldn't even get anything back for him in trade. They're rebuilding the offensive line. Um, they did have two first round picks. That's going to help. I mean, I like what they did in the draft. They drafted Evan Neal uh, and Kayvon Thibodeau. I think those are great picks and acquisitions of need for this team. But the interior of the line is a bit of a mess. The, you know, I, I think the tough part for me is that if this team does not have success early in the season, or even if they do have success early in the season, I think they're going to be comfortable trading players. I mean, they've already talked about trading Saquon Barkley. There's been rumors that Kadarius Tony, 2021 first-time pick, could get traded. Uh, if Leonard Williams looks good, he could get traded. I mean, I, I think that this is a, a very rational organization right now. And a rational organization looking at this roster would say, we need to cut whatever we can and build with draft picks that we're going to make. So um, unless you have a lot of faith in Daniel Jones, which I do not, or Tyrod Taylor, which I do not, I just don't see how this team gets to eight wins, given that they're, you know, they're they're not very good, and I think there's a chance they get worse as the season goes along. Yeah, it is it is very easy right now to be an optimistic Giants fan because yeah, yeah. they they did win the draft. Um, it is hard to lose a draft when you have number five and number seven overall. Yes, exactly. Like the Jets won the draft too. It's like, yeah, the Raiders. The only the only team the only team to ever not win the draft with two or three first round picks was the Raiders in 2019. It's like, yes. How did you how did you screw that up? Um, 
Actually, I take that back. The Giants also lost the draft that year, too, because Daniel Jones. Let's not talk about that. Dexter Lawrence and uh, they turned up. Uh, who's the cornerback? Who, uh, it was Dexter Baker. Yeah. Um, we're really, really. We know. know old Bill when we can't remember the names of these first round cornerbacks who bust out within six months. We know one and done cornerbacks. Yeah. Um, Jeff Gladney is someone else. Oh, good call. Good. Nice shout. Uh, I, I agree with you, though. I think the I think the J like. If you're an optimistic Giants fan, that's great. But the James Bradbury move is very clearly like it should be if you you need to read between the lines on the James Bradbury move. Yeah, because that's not made by a team that's trying to win a bunch of games this year. It is made by no. a team that is trying to clear up its salary cap, trying to get in, trying to get in, you know, even eat, eat its vegetables, as you said, and get ready to be good in the future. I firmly believe that, you know, Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable came into this, came in and met with ownership and said, look, we will, we will try to make it work with Daniel Jones. You know, we, we will put stuff around him. You draft Evan Neal, you know, you draft Rondell Robinson and you try to, you know, you try to, they're going to try to make it work for a year. But I also firmly believe that ownership communicated to the new regime that if it doesn't work, we'll let you guys try and move on. And so, there's sort of this weird, like, like, uh, like benefit to, to not being good with Daniel Jones this year for the giants. They get a higher pick and they get to select their own guy. And I think that's, I don't think that that's an outrageous suggestion to make that they would be okay. They, they would be okay being competitive with, with minimal wins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think that's the case. And like you said, we talked about having some of our, our, our picks kind of correlate with each other. I mean, Eagles over would correlate well with Giants under. Yep. Oh yeah, you're right, man. Did we do, we did three of those. And again, not on purpose. Yes, we not the Panthers and Falcons are only. Uh... That that may be fair. That may be that may lead me to lean more towards Saints over because I, I thought about Buccaneers over instead of Panthers under. Honestly, it's like eleven and a half too. But yeah, I mean, it's that could be a very messy bottom. Of the NFC the, South, the, the Saints, and I know we're, we need to wrap up with the Saints. The only thing about the Saints is that the Sean, I can't get past the lack of Sean Payton with that offense. Yeah, that does seem to. I mean, concerning. even if even if they get those two teams twice, let's say they sweep the Falcons and the Panthers, which is mm -hmm. entirely possible, it's still what eight and a half. I think it is eight. 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 Eh, they should probably get there, but the the Sean Payton thing. Is is at is at least to me like sort of not being discussed enough. I mean, he's like one of the best offensive coaches to ever coach football. Yeah, it it definitely matters. I mean, have that one year where he was not coaching that team and it did not go well. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's possible that the Saints, Falcons, and Panthers could all go under. Herb, to be honest, that that would lead me towards Buccaneers over. But that is another conversation, Will, for another day i know you have a show coming up shortly after we finish taping here please plug that show and everything else you do pick six podcast a daily nfl podcast even through the off season and all throughout all of eternity we're now live on youtube from 1 to 2 p.m eastern almost every day um occasionally we will we'll occasionally we'll miss maybe the off season but not very much and uh we will we is a uh nfl show it's an nfl podcast with a dash of mirth you can also follow me on Twitter at Will Brinson, Instagram, same place, and read my stuff at cbsports.com.
Well, you know it's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's always fun, Bill. It is legitimately always fun. I'm glad that we got to reminisce about our Judge podcast. Always a pleasure, buddy. Did you see? I know we're wrapping up. Did you see that Joe Judge said one of the things he learned as a head coach was how to mold an offensive blame offensive game plan to his quarterback strengths? <laughs> and the first case of that, of course, was having Jay Fromm dive headfirst. And, <laughs> and, and, and I know we're wrapping up, but um, are the Patriots really going to make either Joe Judge or Matt Patricia their offensive coordinator? Because I, I, I cannot wait. I, I just love the mind game that ooh. You don't know if Joe Judge or Matt Patricia will be calling plays on offense. Like, See, oh boy, I don't so think it, I think I think it's Bill Belichick saying, "I'm not going to let you guys pick that decision apart all offseason. Like, you're going to yes. have to wait till the end of training camp to really get it in, because uh, I'm not going to tell you that Joe Judge or Matt Patricia. It's like if you make Matt Patricia your offensive coordinator, it feels a lot like Juan Castillo. Couldn't couldn't Nick Saban just loan like one of his 18 offensive analysts to Belichick to be the OC? It's like. Give give him O'Brien or Bill, like one of the you know one of the two. Right. Yeah. It, it I don't I don't get it. But another conversation for another day. Indeed. Always a pleasure, buddy. All right. Thanks so much, Tool Brinson. Thanks, guys, for being patient. Sorry, there was no show last week. I did tweet about this. I had COVID, and it turns out it's hard to do a uh, podcast when you are having trouble talking without coughing. So hopefully, you guys were able to endure me today. Um, had a couple of hiccups here and there, but I, I'm doing better. I hope you guys are doing okay. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. We'll have more audio next week, back on track, sort of hitting this dead spot of the NFL season, but still plenty to discuss. Hope you guys enjoyed the show as well today and more audio on the way.